Welcome to the podcast of Bethel Mennonite Church in Gladys, Virginia. Today's message was originally preached February 5th, 2012 by Leon Yoder, and it is entitled, A Great Truth and a Great Question. greet you in the name of Jesus. This morning I have a, I think it's a pretty simple message, really. It, it actually began as a uh, school devotional a few years ago, I think about five years ago, maybe four and a half or so. But... Uh, I have a great truth that I want to share with you this morning that's, that's a review to all of us, a great truth and, and a great question. And uh, the question was already asked this morning, in fact, and we've touched on the great truth as well. The, uh, the great truth is this, that God loves us. God loves us. And I want to begin in First uh, John chapter 4. Notice a couple of verses there, verses 9 and 10. First <clears throat> John 4, verses 9 and 10. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a very, very important Bible truth. It's a very wonderful Bible truth. And from our childhood, even, it's something most of us have known and accepted to be true. We heard it at our parents' knees. We heard it in Sunday school. We sang about it. If I were to ask you to name one of the earliest songs you remember singing, probably many of you would answer, Jesus loves me. Would that be true? Jesus loves me. In fact, let's sing it. Jesus loves me, this I know. The Bible tells me so. It's a lovely little song. We think of it as a children's song. It's for all of us. It doesn't say a lot of things, but what it does say is very important. And it tells us how we can know without a shadow of a doubt that God does loves us, does love us, that Jesus loves us which is the key message of this little song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The Bible 
tells me so. And the Bible says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. That's from Isaiah 40, verse 8. And Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. That's in Mark 13, verse 31. We know about grass and flowers. They come in their season and they end, but not God's word. We know about the heavens. We know about the sun, the moon, the stars, and the galaxies, and the comets. And You know, Abraham gazed at those stars. They seem to have been there forever, but they will end. And we know about the earth, its mountains and deserts and the rivers and lakes and oceans. They seem to have been there for an awfully long time, too. But they also will end. But not God's word. God's word will not end. And God's word says, God loves me. Jesus loves me. The believer can know it. Because God said it. It's settled for the believer, like our little song says. Jesus Loves Me is a very familiar song. Less familiar is how it came to be written. I'll share a little bit about that. In the early 1800s, Anna and Susan Warner lived with their father beside the Hudson River. And at some point their father died. I don't have a lot of history on that family, really, but they were forced uh, to, and he left them little to to live on, so they needed to uh, find some way to generate some income. And these sisters decided that they would write novels and children's books to to make some money. Now, to me, that seems like a pretty ambitious idea. I see a lot of manuscripts, and sometimes somebody will decide they want to write, and the first thing they want to write is a book, a, a whole book, you know, not starting with an article or a short story, but they're ready to dive into a, a book. Well, uh, they did this. They wrote books. They wrote 18 books altogether. Susan Warner actually became quite well-known. And her best-known book is The Wide, Wide World. Have any of you ever heard of it? The Wide, Wide World. I hadn't either. But it ended up being the second most popular book by an American author up until that time. It was second to Uncle Tom's Cabin, which I suppose many of you have heard of. One book that Susan wrote was titled Say and Seal, which I'm not sure what all that meant or what that was all about, but somewhere in the story, in this book, there was a little boy named Johnny, and he was very sick, and he was dying. And another character, Mr. Linden, came to visit this dying boy, and he comforted him by reciting a poem for him. And Susan's sister, Anna, wrote the poem 
for the book that the character Mr. Linden read. And it went like this. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And Johnny found it very comforting. Now the story was, was made up, but the truth of that poem was not. It's true. Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And it's a comfort to, to us as well today. During the Civil War, uh, William Bradbury came across this little poem and he wrote the tune that we sing today. He's also uh, the composer that did the music for Just As I Am, Sweet Hour of Prayer, and others. Jesus Loves Me became very popular uh, quickly, and within months, it was being sung with its beautiful, simple message uh, in every continent on the globe. Now, I'm sorry to tell you this, but the song was even revised and used by some other religions. Uh, some missionaries reported hearing singing from a Buddhist temple. Yes, Buddha loves me. Yes, Buddha loves me. What if God did not love us? Have you ever thought about that? What kind of God would God be if he were all-powerful and all-knowing but not love? He could do anything that he chose to do because he has had the power to do it. All-powerful, more powerful than anything else, which God is. And if he knew everything, knew all about us, but did not love us, was not a loving God, how dark would life be? No mercy or forgiveness, no salvation, only justice and wrath and damnation. No John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That wouldn't be in the Bible. We'd have no assurance of his presence. No scripture saying, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. No strength for trials. No scripture saying, my grace is sufficient for thee. No strength in the face of spiritual warfare. No, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No confidence in his sovereignty, his, his kindness. No, all things work together for good to them that love God. No heavenly compassion. The Lord is my shepherd. There would be no prayer, for there would be no listening, sympathetic ear in heaven. There would be no ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find. 
There would be no sweet invitation, come unto me, and I will give you rest. No fellowship, no belonging to God, no family of God, no I will receive you and I will be a father unto you. No promise of heaven. No, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Imagine what it would be like if God didn't didn't love us. Or even if uh, the Bible declared that God does love us, But we discovered as we were reading in the small fine print, while supplies last, or subject to change without notice. How how, uh, confusing, how distressing, how frightening, how unsettling that would be. But our scripture that we read says this, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The Bible tells us about Jesus Jesus' life and words tell us, show us the love of God. God loves us. Jesus loves us. Turn with me to Ephesians 3. I'd like to notice from Paul's prayer that God's love is vast and, and limitless. Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 14. Ephesians 3, and beginning at verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend With all saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's a very, very familiar passage. We've often read it. We've often heard it read. But it tells us that God's love is vast and limitless. And he would want to... He would want to offer to us out of the rich treasury of his glory, out of the wealth of his being, that we would be strengthened and reinforced by the mighty power of God in our spirit, in our heart, by the Holy Spirit. 
And that by faith that Christ would actually live. This is amazing. That Christ would actually live and make his permanent home in our hearts. And that we would be deeply rooted in love and founded securely on his love. Which comes to us uh, within us with the coming of the Holy Spirit. The uh, Amplified and the, the English Standard Version speak of having the strength to apprehend and grasp the love of God, to experience it. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love? Part of his prayer is that we would grasp that, that we could begin to grasp and uh, the vast scope, how vast it is. And in verse 19, that we would experience it, that we would experience it. The reality of the love of Christ, which far surpasses knowledge. It's, it's far beyond just uh, an idea about it. That your whole being may be filled with all the fullness of God. Flooded with God himself is the way the Amplified Bible says it. God's love is vast. I'm not qualified to tell you how, how great God's love is. I can tell you that the Bible says it is and it is great. And I can tell you that God wants us to experience it and experience more of it in a deeper way. God's love is sure. We're going to be studying Romans and we'll no doubt touch on this passage also, but Romans 8, uh, 35 through 39, let's turn to that passage and notice a couple of things there. Romans 8, beginning at verse 35. Now, God's love is sure because the Bible tells us so and God's word will stand forever. He enlarges on that here, <clears throat> Romans eight thirty-five uh, through 39, in expressing that for the Christian, for the one who is experiencing this love, that there is nothing that can separate us from it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, 
nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can anyone put space, distance, between us and his love toward us? Can anyone separate God from from us? Or can anyone or anything persuade God to stop loving us? The answer that he's emphasizing here is that that no, nothing can. Uh, Not awful trials and tribulations, not persecutions, not bad situations of all sorts. No, because he loves us, we can conquer and be faithful through those trials. In fact, uh, a loving God works through those difficulties even to further refine us, like in Romans uh, 5, verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. So, you know, God in his love toward us, uh, it doesn't say that he will separate us from trials and tribulations. It is saying that trials and tribulations cannot separate us from God's love so that he can bless us even in those trials and give us the grace to to be victorious and have right responses in them and be better people, uh, more God-honoring because of them. In verse 38, Paul is persuaded, he is convinced beyond doubt. I am sure, the uh, English Standard Version says, that nothing can separate us from God's great love. And then he lists a number of things, not life, which can be filled with the fearful things that he listed just a couple of verses before, not death, which is often a fearful prospect in itself, not uh, angels or principalities or powers or any opposition, any spiritual opposition that would come from the realm of darkness, not things present. Uh, Literally, that's stand in sight or as though uh, impending things that we may dread uh, that are about to happen. Not things future, things that are unknown that we may be fearful about that could happen. Not height nor depth, uh, which I read is is taken by uh, some scholars to mean like the space above in above the earth or the depth below, thought to uh, be a reference to areas infested by spiritual enemies, nor any creature, nor anything that, uh, all of which would have been part of God's creation uh, and came to be by God's word, not anything. There is nothing in this all comprehensive list that can separate us from God's great Love in Christ Jesus. God's love is great. God's love is sure. Nothing can separate us from it. Unless we choose to. Unless we turn our back on it. 
And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. And God in him. That's the great truth. Jesus loves me. God loves me. God loves us. The great question which was asked already this morning is how much do I love Jesus? How do I respond to his love? And how should I be loving God? Jesus said the greatest commandment is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. We've heard that a lot. I think of the example of the woman who came to Simon the Pharisee's house to see Jesus. And she was weeping and her tears were falling on Jesus' feet and she wiped them with her hair. And Jesus taught, for whom is forgiven much, loves much. And she realized the love of God for her. She realized that Christ was her Savior and that her sins forgiven uh, was because of the love of God, the love of Jesus. And in turn, she loved him. And as Romans 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I think we could say there the love of God and not, and not uh, that's, that's in there in God's mercy. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or worship. It's, it's the reasonable response to respond that way when we understand and when we accept the love of God. We love him because he first loved us, 1 John 4, verse 19. And when we respond to God's love, then the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us, which Paul was praying would be our experience. Praying that we would grow in it. And if we don't, what a great loss that is for us. Our loving God hasn't heightened God's self-esteem. It hasn't done anything measurably for God to make him, um, he is pleased. But we haven't added anything to God. He isn't less. But what a great loss it is for us if we don't love God. Only those who love the Lord, who love God, uh, experience those rich blessings that God offers And what a difference it makes for us in our personal lives, in our marriages, in our homes, in our church life, on the job, on the mission field, wherever, when we love God. If we don't love, uh, the first, in 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote in chapter 13 that our good works, things that we know should we, that good people should do, that Christians should do, if we don't do them from a heart of Christian love. They're only empty noise. 
sounding brass and tinkling cymbals, he said. But when we love God and are experiencing the love of God and the work of God in our lives, our, our lives are different. We look at things different. We look at situations. We see uh, even troubling situations in a different way. We see people differently because we love our neighbors as ourselves also. We can forgive. We can be patient. We can be long-suffering. And we are called to love others. That's stressed often uh, in the Scripture many times. Uh, But we can't love that way without the love of God in us and loving God. How do we grow in, in this love for God and in this relationship with God? Very, some just very simple things that we have heard many, many times, but I think are just really important and are critical to, to uh, knowing and experiencing and growing in this relationship with God. One is prayer and Bible reading. Who would have guessed? Prayer and Bible reading. You know, there really just aren't any shortcuts there. Uh, there's nothing like instant devotions. We can get uh, we can get devotional books that have. Wonderful thoughts in just little packages. They're good. They're good for us. But that's, uh, that's really not adequate. That, that can be a, a wonderful supplement and uh, a help to us. So I'm not, I'm just saying that there's not a shortcut. There's not shortcuts. And, you know, if we are one minute devotions, People, I think, I mean, this is what I've found, that, that um, our love is going to be shallow, too. It just is the way it works. You know, um, I was thinking about Sam's message last Sunday morning here, and the, um, the emotions that bind us apart, remember? And he talked about fear and jealousy and, and lust. I was going to go back and look at my notes, and there was a fourth one. What was it? Pardon? Shame. Fear, jealousy, lust, and shame. And he said the solution is being anchored in God. Well, these are the things that anchor us. And prayer and Bible reading is, is just a real key. And connected with that is worship and thankfulness. You know, where we are consciously uh, praising and thanking God for His forgiveness, for His salvation and mercy to us, for His many blessings to us, consciously. You know, where we're thinking and we're aware and uh, not just buzzing through some words, but consciously. 
And then a, a third is uh, repentance. Clean breaks with sin. I read a devotional of uh, something that Bob Stauffer had written for a, a second book that he's doing. And he was uh, contrasting, he had been at a, some kind of a youth gathering, uh, some kind of a gathering, I think it was youth, but uh, this happened, that doesn't matter. But uh, people were confessing struggles. And he thought back, you know, over the, over the years, and he had heard other people, maybe some of the same people, confessing struggles in certain areas. And I've confessed struggles in areas. And um, his point was that we can be open about struggles that we're having with an area of sin and not have victory over it because we haven't really repented. There's a difference between confessing that we're having difficulty here and really repenting. And that's, that's a pretty important uh, key point. Uh, if we repent, there's not only an acknowledgement of sin and agreeing, confessing sin that it is there, and it is sin because God says it is, but repenting is breaking with that and, and uh, turning from it. And that doesn't mean the struggles end. But it does mean that there's grace for victory in a measure that it isn't when we would like to quit, we would like to get, like to have victory, but we like to play with it too, you know, and keep dabbling with it. You know what I mean. So that's important, repentance. And, and the fourth that I have here is obedience. Uh, following Christ's way, all in the context of a loving relationship with God. And I'd like you to turn with me uh, to John 14. I just want to, I was reading through John lately and and just uh, these these, uh, jumped out at me in thinking about this message. John 14 and verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 20. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. In verse 23, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. And then in John 15, beginning at verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, 
ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. You know, it's nice to know that God loves us. Uh, It's important that we love him. And sometimes uh, people, sometimes we can we can say, I love you, Lord, and, and not really mean it. And we may want to love him, we may feel something, but it's, uh, it's more than emotion, God says. Jesus said that there is, a, there is a critical link between loving God and obeying God in doing what God says what God desires. And it is from the heart in 1 John 5, verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous, are not burdensome. Uh, This was read in our opening this morning. And it it comes back to, uh, it comes back to, you know, this being, we are doing the things that are right to do because we love God, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. We're spending time with Him. We worship Him. We repent when we sin. When we become aware of sin, we obey. And we do the things that we do because we love him. And in the context of his love for us, our love for him. And not just the Christian life is a, is a recipe for uh, a good life. But it is the result of a relationship with God. There's a lot uh, to be learned. I have a lot to learn about knowing God, about the fellowship of the love of God, such as Paul was praying for in Ephesians. But it's very important that we pursue that, that we're serious about that. 1 John 4, 7 Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God, a spiritual, a spiritual relationship. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. 
Now we read 9 and 10 at the beginning and uh, touched on it again a little later. And this gives us a little wider context uh, from verse 7 through verse 11. And it begins with, let us love one another, for love is of God. This Christian love is of God. And beloved, it ends with the same. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And I thought about it, you know, with us in our mission, we talked about Paul in our Sunday school class and have to think of Jesus. As the love of God was manifested to us through Christ, the love of God is manifested to the world through us. And, you know, there's something about Paul, something about Jesus, especially I think of it with Jesus when you read the accounts of Jesus dealing with people and, and ministering to people. There was something about Jesus more than his words and more than his miracles even. It was that this person cared for them in a way they had never been cared for for or about before. And that he genuinely loved their souls and was interested in them in a personal way and loved them with the love of God because he was God. And we're not God. And we don't love like Jesus does, but we can grow in the love of Christ And I think it makes a difference in our fellowship. It makes a difference in our contacts uh, when we we love God. We sang that little song, Jesus Loves Me. I hope it means more to you than it ever has before. That you don't, that when you sing it with your children, that it uh, blesses you in a rich way also. There is, a, uh, there is a second verse, and I meant to bring it with me, and I failed to, that's not as familiar. We don't sing it as often. It goes like this. Uh, Jesus loves me, he who died, heaven's gate too open wide. He will wash away my sin and let his little child come in. Yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I love Jesus because he first loved me. We know that, don't we? Let's, let's sing that. Jesus loves me, he who died, heaven's gate to You've been listening to A Great Truth and a Great Question, a message by Leon Yoder. This podcast is brought to you from the Bethel Mennonite Church in Gladys, Virginia. You can find us online at BethelMennoniteOnline.org. Thanks for listening.